This week we're busting drug smugglers with Popeye Doyle and polluters with Erin Brockovich in The French Connection and uh, Erin Brockovich. It's Have You Seen. Hello, fair listener and watcher, I suppose. Uh, welcome to Have You Seen? It is an annoyingly sweaty uh, British night. Uh, not like... Oh, God. <laughs> Sorry, I just had visions of a bloke in armour on horseback sweating his nuts off. It must have happened. I mean... Oh, they must have sweated a lot in that stuff, particularly in the summer. Yeah, I mean, I guess, it, you know, it's one of those things you always think of a suit of armour as a completely contained thing, but it's not really. It's just a series of plates. So I guess at least, yeah. you know, you're not going to end up, like, like pouring your boots out at the end. I bet you do. Well, it's not especially air-conditioned, is it? No, but I mean, like, you know, it's just, it's just bits stuck on you. It's not like you pull it on like a pair of trousers, is it? No, I suppose not. Uh, hi, I'm Kieran Lefort, and the person I'm having this uh, discussion about air conditioning and suits of arm with is Tom Webb. Hello. Um, there is no medieval theme to this episode whatsoever. It's all very distinctly 20th century. Yeah. Um, we should have had this chat during um, Bill. Yeah, yeah, that would have been Well, there aren't sense. many knights in that either. There's not a lot of suits of armour in that, No, if no. any. No, mostly just doublets. Yes. And hose. Mm. Not that sort of hose, the other sorts of hose. Yeah. Um, right, we need to talk about films, otherwise this is going to go off on an absolute tangent. Yeah. Um, do you have any preferences to what we cover first? No, not in the slightest. Uh, okay. yeah, I'm, I'm quite I've happy got, to go with either. Okay, I've got my Aaron Brockovich notes open. Okay, we can go that first. Um, so, yeah, uh, that seems to be the way. I just tell you which one, which notes I've got open and we just dive in yeah. with that one. Yeah, that's fine with me. Alrighty, Erin Brockovich is from 2000, directed by Steven Soderbergh uh, and starring Julia Roberts. Uh, and the picture I gave Tom last week was, after he loses her personal injury case, unemployed single mother Erin Brockovich shames her lawyer into giving her a job, despite having no experience. While looking into a simple real estate buyout case, Erin uncovers a scandal involving a huge corporation polluting a town's water supply and, just like David versus What's-His-Name, sets out to bring them down. Yeah, that sums it up. Uh, this is notable for um, uh, being the movie that made Julia Roberts the highest paid actress in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. uh, she got $20 million of the $52 million budget. Mm -hmm. uh, it then went on to make $256 million and got her uh, the Oscar, the BAFTA and the Golden Globe for this performance. Yeah. I think um, it also got her some others as well. I think she's the only... Yeah, there are some, uh, that, there are some, there are some mi mi more minor awards. Yeah. I, I, I can't remember what they are. They're things like Saturn's and like yeah. Actor's Choice and yeah, Writer's Favourite yeah. Movie Star. And, she was the... I think... I, I don't know if anyone's done it since, but she, she was the first woman to do that. To get all, all, oh, really? of, the, all of however many it was. I know not just yeah, the Oscar, like, the BAFTA and the... What the other one was? Scoop the whole one. Took home an armful. Yeah, yeah. Um, everything yes oscar wise it was also nominated for best film best director best original screenplay and best supporting actor for albert finney who plays uh, ed masry the lawyer in question mm -hmm. um i like it mostly because i think it's very well written um and as we said last week it's uh it's good soderberg mm. where we i think i said uh when soderberg is good he's this and out of sight and when he's bad he's haywire yeah and the limey, as Tom reminded me, that I very much did not enjoy. No, see, I quite like the limey. I don't mind that. I can't remember what it was. I'd have to. I have listened to that episode again since. Yeah. Like when we were preparing to do this, uh, I went back and listened to every episode that I had, and I did listen to that. But it was a while ago, and I was binging them, so I can't remember why I took against the limey. I can't remember. I just why. remember that. Maybe you just bloody a, hated it. Yeah. Maybe you just in a bad mood when you watched it. Maybe. I'm not in an especially great mood today. I spent three hours fighting with flat pack furniture yeah. uh, and have nothing to show for it. So, yeah. And I got to sleep at half two in the morning. And as you told me, you got to sleep at half four this morning. I did, yeah. So we are very much in the mood to talk about these films. Yeah. But um, no, uh, yeah, it'd be fun. Uh, yeah. What did you make of this? Where would you like to start? I, I mean, just top line overall, I thought it was a really good, really good film. Um mm. You know, it, like you say, it's it is Steve is, uh, 
Steven Soderbergh at, at his best. Um, and I think I think it's, it's Steven Soderbergh at his least wanky. I think like it's, well, yeah. I mean, the thing is though, it's it kind of straddles an interesting line where it's a studio movie with mm. for him a huge budget, um, and but it still has that style of a independent movie. Like it, it, you know, it, yes, but not overtly so. No, so it's. I, I kind of felt it was just that's, right. I think that's sorry. I think that's why I didn't like the limey because yeah. the style in that he takes it to the extreme. Mm, he does, and that, where, like, when he's showing flashbacks of younger Terence Stamp, he's even bought the rights to a movie mm, with young Terence Stamp in, yeah. and used those as the flashbacks. Yeah, it was a which Ken, Ken is Lynch a clever movie, idea, or Mike, but really, but wanky and annoying yeah yeah and it, like you to know me, anyway it was one of those things like, i think like the limey that it was all shot using natural like uh not natural light but whatever light was in the location so there was like no we've all been there yeah so it's, it's that kind of stuff um whereas this oh, clearly wasn't like that but it still had that sort of feel and i think it's things like thomas newman's score um some of the way he montaged stuff um mm. my only complaint about it really is mm-hmm. I think it's about half an hour too long. It is quite long, yes. It sort of drags it's a little bit. It's two hours, isn't it? 2.15. Uh, and oh, I think okay. it could be 1.45. You think they could do it in 1.45? Yeah, just because it's funny, because there's, there's bits later on where he montages sequences um, mm. where she's doing some of the process stuff. And it's like, actually, the, she you could have done that earlier on with some of the other stuff. Mm. And there's a couple of bits where she goes to meet people and it's kind of like, okay, I can see that this is adding to the building momentum of the story. But yeah, actually, I get that. maybe this is one or two too many. Like, we right. don't need to see those people or, or you know. So, yeah, I, that, that it was really, that was it. My sort of, you know, only vague pacing and, and length was, was mm. my sort of issue with it. Um, mm. Other than that, I thought it was really good. I thought uh, Julie Roberts was really good. I thought Albert Finney was amazing. Um, mm. I think he 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 get he's he get he. Although she can be a tour de force in a scene, sometimes yes. he could completely steal it from her. What I really enjoyed is where she's getting the grand the hot dogging and grandstanding moments, mm. uh, and he's just there. He like he's seen this before, and other people in the room haven't. Yeah. and it cuts to him, and this little wry smile creeps over his face, and he's like, "Oh, she's doing it again. She's doing it again." Yeah, like these people don't stand a chance. Yeah. Yeah, particularly towards the end where they do the uh, the two wrong feet and fucking ugly shoes line. Yes, yeah, that, that I wrote that down because that yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. Thing. It, yeah, it's definitely stuff like that. And you know, and the, the first time that when when the three lawyers turn up and they go into the conference room for the first time and offer twenty million, but mm. but you you know the game. He says like the game has begun and he takes four people in, and and it, mm. so it's just it's just that kind of stuff. And I you know that was one of those sorts of scenes where it starts mm. to amp it up a bit and. You know, I like I, I think I said to you last week that I kind of felt almost felt like it should be like a Sorkin movie. This feels like one of his sort of yeah, uh, sort of subject matters that he gets into. But it seemed to be like you know, really well researched and really well portrayed. And um, you know, I thought Aaron yeah, Aaron Eckhart was good and. Speaking of Julia Roberts and Sorkin, completely mm. forgot she's in Charlie Wilson's War. We covered in season one. Yeah, she's in. The, that's probably. The only other movie. That I mm. think I've watched and thought, yeah, that was good. Well, the only other movie as a whole you ever watched. And no, thought that was good. she's or do you mean Julia Roberts. The Julia Roberts movie. movie. Okay. Um, yeah, because we were trying to work out why we had both individually taken against Julia Roberts. Mm. But yeah. I'm like, I haven't actually seen a lot of stuff she's in. Like, I've got the IMDb page open now. Uh, All I can think of off the top of my head would be yeah. Charlie Wilson's War, which I forgot she was in, mm-hmm. uh, this, and Pretty mm-hmm. Woman. Confession of a Dangerous Mind, which I'm sure I have Oh, seen. I have seen that as well. I've completely forgot yeah. she was in that. Uh, o- Ocean's Eleven. Completely forgot she was in that. Uh, I've never seen Notting Hill. No, I haven't seen Notting Hill. Uh, Hook, but that doesn't really count. Yeah, she's Tinkerbell, isn't she? Yeah, forgot she was in that. Yeah, I, I, I think I'd be, I might have been quite unfair in Julia Roberts. I haven't actually seen Probably. her in an awful lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I think I, I would agree. I, for me, for me, my I do of, have the player lined up to watch actually. Although she just, just plays herself in that. I, 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 just, I think that's a cameo. You've never seen the player. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I have seen it. I can't remember if I particularly like it or not. Hmm. Um, yeah. No, it was. I, I mean, I think for me, it, was, it stems down to suppose it's supposed to be filming her on a red carpet and her getting in a mood. And being unprofessional. <laughs> That's why I kind of had taken against her a bit. But We um, could probably get sued out of existence if we told the entirely truthful stories of red carpet and interview mm. situations we have been in with uh, people whose names the public would know. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I, Even I mean, though those stories are 100% true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in this, in this instance... So why we only tell the good ones on this show? The, uh, the Julie Roberts, it was a, pre- a film premiere and I was a camera op supposed to be there allegedly before he says anything that gets us in trouble but carry on no it's fine this this shouldn't because it was you know it's not a it's not a bad story really Mm. uh and we were i was there representing the distributor Mm -hmm. to get a soundbite from her i think it was a movie where she might have been the only person doing press or certainly the only person of note Oh, and yes, yes. I somebody like, this, yes. like maybe the first or the second interview along that. So you're on the press line and it's a long line, mm-hmm. you know, sort of like 30 or 40 different outlets all waiting yep. to take their turn. And we were fairly near the front of that line because we were working for the distributor. Uh, the I think the only people ahead of us were... Uh, live TV crews, so crews that had a, mm. had a very specific time when they had to be, they mm. were actually on air and broadcasting to the world. And somehow some tabloid journalists got up there and they asked her a rude question, mm-hmm. which, you know, journalists shouldn't do. And I know that some people, you know, they, they try to needle an answer out of it, but they asked the wrong question. And there are two ways that an actor or actress or celebrity or whatever you want to call them can deal with that and the first is they can just kind of say i'm not answering that and then move on to the next crew or they can do what julia roberts did and get in a hissy fit and storm off and not talk to anybody else (laughs) and she did no press like none of the rest of the press oops and it's just like that's i think that's unprofessional because you're paid to be they're paid to be there to do their job right you know, yes, and and yes. if 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 she'd kind of gone over and done lots of signing for fans, like a lot of, like you know, sometimes they're, yeah, they're they'll, very, they'll they'll very often go away, do some signing to cool down a bit, yeah, and skip come a couple back. of crews and then come back, yeah, and that that's kind of that's all right. I don't mind that. And also, mm. like if there's a, an actor that is just like you know what, I want to spend my time on the red carpet with fans as opposed to mm. crews. I can kind of, I can kind of respect that to to an extent, and you know, as long as there's other people doing the press, that's fine. Mm. You know, and then you get people like Tom Cruise who will do both in its entirety. Funny you should mention Tom Cruise because uh, your Julia Roberts story kind of links into that. I, uh, it didn't happen to me personally, but I met the cameraman who mm. was next in line to shoot an interview with Tom Cruise. Oh yeah, uh, the day he was very famously shot with a water pistol by a joke crew next to him. Yeah. And he was like, he'd been there for three hours waiting. Mm. Uh, this water pistol incident happened. Tom Cruise disappeared. And he said he just went absolutely ballistic. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I mean, it's yeah. so inconsiderate. I know, I know, like, you know, those those sorts of websites and outlets and stuff, they, yeah. they go there to cause trouble. And, it, and it's kind of like, well... You've, you've either got in, a... In wrestling parlance, they go there to get themselves over. They're not there to yeah. help out anything else they're just there for themselves yeah yeah we're getting seriously off track maybe we should launch like a sister podcast tom and kieran's uh, red carpet memories <laughs> maybe maybe with lots of redactions and bleeping <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that'd be the only way we could do it oh we could get we could get lots of former colleagues on to tell us stories as well oh, we could we know Absolutely. some people with some very very good stories do, anyway yeah. erin brockovich yeah um yeah so um, yeah it's it's good it, i mean it's really good and mm. it's interesting and it's it's a good i mean it's an interesting story to tell i mean it's one of those yeah. sort of shocking uh negligence cases um and yeah. they're, they're always kind of interesting uh to delve into and it, you know it mm. was clearly you know you it was it, she's she's a very uh it's a very good part it's a very good character. Like I said, like, it's the sort of thing I'd imagine like the A-list Hollywood women climbing over each mm. other to get. 
And I tried to find out if that happened and I couldn't find out. No, I, did, I, didn't, I didn't. Everything I read, it didn't kind of allude to that. Yeah. Um, I know that, that you know, it, I, th- I thought it was good that they didn't portray Erin as this completely virtuous crusader. Like, mm. you know, the, 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 the kind of neglect of her, of her family and her boyfriend and yeah. like, and the, the husbands and stuff, they bring that in to kind of give her a sort of a flawed, well, I mean, it's, mm. it's a true story, isn't it? So, you know, although yeah. I think they, as, as uh, Brokovich herself claims it's 98% true. Yeah. So I think that the thing that isn't true is the fact that Aaron Eckhart's character, George, uh, yes. he actually, he didn't walk out. He he stuck around. Although they split up, he actually and he stayed. then tried to sue her afterwards. Yeah, he yeah. Tried to get money out of her Did afterwards. He? Yes. Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah, apparently he, he stuck a... about, and you know. Yeah. But yeah, I think there's a few little bits. I think like that. enough men had left Erin in her life for like this to be. You know, he's yeah. he's an amalgam, if you like. He's. I a, think so. Yeah. He's, a, he's the idea of men leaving her rather yeah. than this specific man left her. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so you know, I thought I thought that was good. Um, and like I said, I just I, I really enjoyed watching Albert Finney. Just mm. you know, like you say, those little looks that he would do, and mm. yeah, and and it it just comes together really well, really well. Mm. Um, some things I like. So I like what they left out. So they left out that the real Erin Brockovich is also dyslexic. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and she got sick from the pollutants during her investigation. Yeah. And Soderbergh was like, we don't want to make this that kind of, uh, is the protagonist going to gonna die of some creeping illness? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there, there are a few scenes where she is a bit ill. And I wondered if they were left over from that story. They thread. are, yeah, because they shot a yeah. scene where she's in hospital and she gets tested and, and, and it's confirmed that that is, that is what it is. Um, and mm. they, But they cut that out. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, the real Erin Brockovich is in the film. She yeah. plays Julia, the waitress, in the mm-hmm. scene uh, in the diner with. Uh, yeah, and apparently uh, Ed Massey is in the background. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's in the booth behind Julia Roberts, and yeah. you you could see him briefly. He yeah. died about five years after uh, this came out, unfortunately, because oh. all of the health conditions he lists off in the film were true, and they got him. Wow, that's sad. Yeah, um, and the other thing that maybe. Uh, made me sit up and take notice is a tiny bit part there's a man called charles Emby who becomes important at the end of the film mm-hmm. and you just think he's some kind of creepy stalker like he's a weird looking little guy who's hanging around erin he doesn't really know how to approach her and talk to yeah. her and for the most part i think even when i was watching it this time which is the second time i'd seen it mm-hmm. i thought he was like kind of like a greasy little spy from the company who'd been sent yes. to keep an eye on her and it turns yeah. out he used to work for the company um and he was uh, tasked with destroying documents yeah. uh, that incriminate mm. that link that link the local branch where this happened to the head office in San Francisco. Yeah, um, and he didn't. So he has on paper proof that what uh, Brockovich is claiming happened happened. Mm. That guy is played by a man called Tracy Walter, who was not only uh, Hedgehog, the main henchman in Drive. The Mark Cascos movie that we both enjoy. Yeah, he's Bob the Goon in Tim Burton's Batman. Oh, really? The Joker's lead henchman. Yeah. Oh wow! I did. I mean, I did not. I I thought because funny. I I wrote his name down as well because he he was really good. Mm. He's kind of he just got that like you say you get a really uneasy vibe the first couple mm. of, like creepy sort of vibe. No, I don't know if creepy is the wrong word or just like yeah. He, he's he, slightly sleazy. Yeah. and Slightly. Yeah. Yeah. Off. Yeah. And 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 it kind of and it transpires throughout like when he finally goes to talk to her that it's just you know like you say he's really sinister. Yeah, he just doesn't quite know how to interact with <laughs> yeah. her and that's just what's holding him back. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, she thinks she thinks he's trying to pick her up at the bar. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And yeah. given what he says to her at the picnic as well, you know, you'd be forgiven for making that mistake. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. 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 Um, I took shockingly few notes. Uh, yeah, I didn't take a huge this. amount. I didn't take a huge um, amount. It was mostly mostly uh, some quotes that made me laugh. Things like, uh, uh, Masri says, what makes you think you can just walk in there and get what we need? And she says, they're called boobs, Ed. Yeah, I wrote that down, not because of that line. What mm. I really liked about it was his, it cuts to him after she says mm. it. And it's his brilliant eye dance that he does. 
to make <laughs> does he where, do a triangle he, where he kind of he's not he's deliberately not looking and he's finding something to look at and he just turns then he just walk, walks away and it's just he did um, it again just perfectly done so uh shoot before just before shooting this julia roberts was dating i think it's benjamin bratt right and she showed up in her wardrobe All right. and uh, it's quite um uh, it doesn't leave a lot to the imagination the erin brockovich wardrobe no Really? Uh, and he apparently went, you are not going out dressed like that. <laughs> uh, and then she made $20 million and an Oscar and a BAFTA and a Golden Globe dressed like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, that, that's that, that's one of the one of the good scenes, I think, as well as when uh, Ed Massey says to her, like, she doesn't fit in with the girls in the office. And he's like, I think yes. they're intimidated. Maybe you should rethink your wardrobe. And she's just like, I yeah. like how I look. Maybe you should rethink your ties. And it's yes. just like, that's that's one of the bits where you, I think he starts to realize that. But if you notice later on, he is wearing different styles of tie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, yeah. So what got me is this is a legal drama where you never see a trial, which is weird. No. Because going in, I had a memory of one. There's a couple of moments in a in a hearing which is just yeah. like preamble stuff. But the actual the yeah. actual trial you don't see, and I think that's yeah. where this differs from if it was directed by Aaron Sorkin. Mm, yeah, he yeah. would have gone, you know, a few good men. He would have, yeah, he would have shown the trial. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Thereby adding another half an hour. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, um, it did. That did that did jar slightly from all of that. Mm. Oh, this is going to happen, and then suddenly she's. Turning to Aaron Eckhart, saying, "Why don't you come and see what you've helped?" And he, he she mm. takes him to to tell the family that she's got them five million dollars or whatever it is. Yeah, the yeah. the the entire settlement was over three hundred million. Mm, yeah, uh, uh, she made a two million dollar bonus mm. from this. Yeah, which is uh, apparently that is one of the details that is true. Wow. If you walked away with a check for $2 million. That's crazy. Um, and I did a bit of reading on Erin Brockovich. She has gone on and uh, um, now uh, she and Masri took more of these style of cases around mm. the country. It says at the end that they had like, was it six more cases like that or, tw- or nine more cases? I can't remember how many it was. But, and one of them mm. was against the same company yes, for a different yeah, place. I was reading about that. Um, I didn't, yeah, I didn't uh, get a chance to look up to see if they'd succeeded with any of it, but... Uh, some have one hasn't, and they tend to keep quiet about that one. Right. Uh, at least two more have none to the size of this no. payout. I don't think. Um, but yes, they. I think they were successful against the same company again. Mm. Um, and it's. Uh, I think at least two more of the cases are hexavalent chromium as well, which is the pollutant right, in okay. the in the film. I guess that makes sense uh, because you know they've yeah. got all the research. Well, now an expert on it, yeah, I guess. exactly. Yeah. 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 Yes. Uh, so there we go I guess Mm, yeah oh the only other thing that really stuck out to me is there's a scene where Finney gives a wad of papers to his (laughs) assistant to fax the PG&E claims department and they are very clearly pages from the screenplay (laughs) (laughs) that was made very obvious in HD on Netflix (laughs) awesome alrighty Um, back to 1971 yeah why not why not alright you can take over and tell us all about the French Connection. Yeah, okay. So this is another one that got nominated for a ton of awards and won, uh, I think, won one as well. Uh, did, I didn't look out that part. Did Hackman win it for Best Actor or did it win Best Picture? I'm going to look that up. No, you, you you talk. I can look it up. I've already got, um, I've got, I've come prepared. I have a French Connection tab and an Erin Brockovich IMDb tab already open. You tell us the plot. I'll find out the awards. Uh, okay. So French Connection. Uh Anyone who's listened to the previous uh, hundred and whatever odd episodes we've done will know that I love like early seventies movies, this kind of stuff. Um, yep. Dirty Harry, Bullet, all this kind of thing. It's it's kind of it's kind of one of my one of my go to genres. Um, uh, Taking a Pelham One Two Three was another one we did. I think similar sort of vibe. Yes. Um, so it's uh, essentially a New York cop, typical kind of grizzled New York cop, always on the job, like can't switch off, uh, has a hunch. Sees like he's at a nightclub and he's, he's got a vibe that there's something dodgy going on and there's a, 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 like some known criminals to him and then a French guy gets involved. And he starts to just, 
using using procedural police work chip away at what this might be and it turns out to be a massive uh drug smuggling uh case based on a true story uh this actually happened in the early 60s 1962 i think um the guy who Popeye Doyle is based on is in the movie. He plays the superior. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Uh, what's the his name? Uh, the police captain guy. Yeah, kind of. I can't oh. remember what his name is in the in the film. Uh, his his name his name in real life is um, Eddie Egan. Um, yeah, and he plays. Ooh. Go on. What are you going to say? Uh, sorry, I just I found the awards. Um, at the uh, the Oscars, it took home Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, uh, Best Screenplay, Best Adapted Screenplay, uh, Best Editing. It was also nominated for Best Supporting Actor for Roy Schreider, uh, Cinematography and Sound. Yeah. Um, so five out of eight. Hmm. Yeah, it's pretty good. I, mean, I noticed that a lot of them paired up with what Brockovich was nominated for. At the ba- at the BAFTAs, Gene Hackman won Best Actor, but he also won it for the Poseidon Adventure. Did he just get he it for both? Poseidon Adventure. Yeah, he's yeah, he's, I guess. He's the lead. Yeah, how weird. Um, again, we did that a long time ago as well. Anyway, sorry. That's all right. I was um, off track. Uh, yeah, so it's basically just like a, a drug case, and it's just and it's very like procedural police work kind of stuff, like lots of uh, stakeouts following, um, mm. and you know utilizing because i obviously no mobile phones and not even using thing and just communicating via preset patterns that they learn as police officers and because they're on a grid system yeah they like, don't even use a lot of uh pay phones do they? no so they they they're, they're they're using their policing knowledge to follow suspects just by yeah. the pattern of the streets and stuff like that so it's a lot of that kind of stuff um you know i really like it i like the style of it um Directed by William Friedkin, who obviously did The Exorcist, and I think mm-hmm. that this and that are possibly the only two William Friedkin movies that I've watched, uh, and I like both. Okay. Um, I haven't seen To Live and Die in L.A., which ap- apparently uh, he tries to one up the car chase. Um, yes. Yes. But yeah, um, yeah, I was kind of intrigued to see what you, what you thought of it. You know, we've covered movies like this before, and um, yeah, um. I was trying to decide if this or Bullet bored me more. Really? Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3. Yeah. I vastly preferred that to this. Yeah, that's got a bit more... I don't know if it's got action, really. It's got a bit more it's not threat. Got action. Like, it's, um, uh, it's got more charm to it. It's got better mm. pace to it. Yeah. Um, Popeye Doyle is an absolute asshole. Yeah. yeah. I wrote this has two types of scenes, cops following people or yeah. Doyle being racist. Yes. And I, so I was looking that up and it was interesting that Gene Hackman really, really struggled with that. Like he really mm. didn't like that thing. So if William... Good. Makes me like Gene Hackman a bit Absolutely, more. yeah. He was, he was he really, really struggled with it. And F- William Freakin's kind of response to it was that that was the reality of this guy. Yeah, I understand that. But he he wasn't even convinced it was the reality of that guy. Like he right. like Eddie Egan himself, he was he put on this persona of this cop and he would do this sort of stuff. Right. So it's kind of like trying to find out, you know, obviously it, I th- I think what it, it it highlights is that it it you know, it, what whichever way you look at it, there's that institutional racism which you know, it's still very apparent today. Yeah, this was very much, um, I mean, it doesn't glamorize police work. It doesn't glamorize the force. It doesn't glamorize no. New York. No. Um, the ending is very downbeat. Yeah, yeah. Um, and has, and almost as abrupt as on the run. Do you know what? I, I wrote exactly <laughs> the same thing down because I'd forgotten yep. how that ending works. And, yep, the other yep. thing is, and then it cuts all those title cards where it's yeah. like, oh, this guy was uh, up on these charges. He got away with it. This yeah. guy was up on these charges. Suspended sentence. This yeah. guy did six months. This guy got away completely. Yeah. And it's like the, the French... Doyle act- was transferred out of the department. Yeah. Yeah. The, the French actor who had like the most minimal bit to do that got like four years... 
Yeah. And it's just like, oh, well, he was like just, he was just a patsy then. Um, yeah. But yeah. It's a- I did wonder if he was ever going to come back because he shows up for, for two scenes yeah. and he buggers off for most of the yeah, film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know if you, like, it's one of those things when I was when I was thinking about pitching it, it was, I was tossing it out between this and the conversation and I couldn't decide mm. if you would be bored by that or by this. I think a lot of the problem I had is a problem you have with a lot of films is mm. I couldn't like Doyle or even um, Scheider's character, Cloudy, at mm. all. Yeah. No, um, I can see that. I can see that. And I tried to distance myself from that. And I tried to like tell myself, you know, it, this is a story about a character, mm. not yes. a hero. Yes. Yeah, um, exactly. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. But he's just like, all I could think of was if he was in The Departed, he wouldn't have been on the good side. No, I, do you know what? Yeah, or absolutely. any other yeah. cop movie. Like yeah. he did make me think a lot of the characters from that. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. Um, yeah, yeah, and that's a film I didn't like either. <laughs> that's true. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what? I mean, I'm trying to think of uh, what did I write here? Uh, oh, so here we go. I got fifty. Uh, I'm fifty-two minutes in, and I'm not sh- still not sure what the crime is. I presume drugs, hmm. uh, but I don't know why the French are involved. Are they smuggling? It seems too simple and dull. Yeah, I mean, it was a really simple... I wonder if that's my 2020 brain. Yeah, I think it might be. Like, the plots are more complex, the crimes are more complex now, and this is just, you know... Yeah, I mean, literally what they did was they would buy a big American car, and there was a specific Mm. model, not the model they used in the film, but there was a specific model that just happened to have these gaping big, like, areas in it. That had under, like under, underneath they they still have the rocker panels, side yeah. runners, almost like like thirties mm. gangster cars still. Yeah, and and you know, and there's like they're like uh, there'd be a bulkhead for the interior of the car, and then another bulkhead for the engine, and there'd be a, a mm. massive gap in between. So they would just fill it with drugs and then just ship yeah. the cars, and yeah, because the customs weren't gonna literally rip a car apart. They would I mean, never even find the guy it. who does, even the police mechanic, exactly, initially yeah. doesn't take those parts off. Yeah, yeah, and he says, I've, I, he literally has the line, "I've ripped everything off this car apart from the rocker panels," and and yeah. and because it's cloudy, the door's like, "Well, what the fuck are you playing?" <laughs> yeah. They take them off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And lo and behold, there's yeah. some uh, bags of heroin in there. Yeah, and they only keep looking because Cloudy's looking at the instruction manual for the car, and he's yeah. just like, "Hang on a minute," when you weighed it. And when it got yeah. weighed at the port, it was this much, but the manual says it should only be this much. It's 120 yeah. pounds different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, there were, really was a 60 kilo drug bust in the early 60s. It was Eddie Egan did yeah. it. And it, you know, that's what it's kind of all based on. Yeah. yeah. I was kind of hoping. So they do, uh, the cops take the car, they, they pull it to pieces, uh, find the drugs, put it back together again, give it back to Honoré, the French TV actor, who's done the, the actual smuggling part. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it gets taken off to the uh, uh, the gang's hideout, for lack of a better phrase, where they take the the panels off and take the drugs out and hide mm. them. And like, part of me was hoping they pull the runners off and somehow Popeye would be inside, like poking <laughs> his gun out of the hole. <laughs> yeah, just hiding there. <laughs> My first note as this started was part of me hopes this is because it's very fam- famously a New York film. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wrote, part of me hopes this uh, has absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with France. And then, oh, wait, there's a citron and a baguette. <laughs> yeah. um, everybody gets killed by having ketchup thrown at them, such are the squibs in this film. Mm, the yeah. first one in particular, I'm pretty sure they just had a can of tomato soup off screen and hurled it in the guy's face. Yeah. yeah, typical William um, Freakin. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to run. I'm just running through an order here. Yeah, there's like things fine. that make me laugh. Um, there's... You you meet Doyle where he is uh, disguised as Santa. Mm. Yes, oh, that um, was a thing they used to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Scheider goes into the it goes into the bar, and one of the guys does a runner out of the bar, mm. and like he and Santa take off, and they are hauling ass in that foot chase. Mm. That's really well shot, actually. Yeah. Um, but like <laughs> the guy they're chasing, his afro must have created some serious drag. No wonder <laughs> they caught him. Yeah, it's yeah. That was a that was a like a thing they used to do. So Egan and his partner used to have to go and do like Christmas drug busts, basically, because mm. people were going out <laughs> for the night and that kind of stuff. So yeah. they do, and and basically they would walk into whatever areas of New York they had to go to for whatever shift they were doing, and mm. everyone would know they were cops, and they'd never get anything. Mm. Uh, so uh, Egan was just like, "Fine, I'll dress up as Father Christmas," and he would go around and he would be like a charity or he'd talk to kids and sing songs mm. carols with them 
and then what he would do is when he switched to a specific song so if he started mm. singing jingle bells then yeah, Clou- cloudy bell, would mm. just be like leap out of nowhere with all of the rest of the cops and they'd arrest someone that they tag <laughs> and apparently they they cleaned up they absolutely cleaned up with that technique yeah so i think he was a yeah. bit of a egan was a bit of a maverick and like he, he yeah. was he was like the bit of this sort of I think them you doing know. Santa Claus drug bust would have been a more fun film. <laughs> It'd be quite possibly. Um, yeah. uh, right. I'm going to touch on something I really hated. Okay. Absolutely hated. It's so much that I wrote it twice, it turns out. Why does the score sound like a crap jazz band rolling down a hill in a barrel? Uh, do you know what? The music is absolutely appalling. I think this. I, it's because I was thinking that. Off key. It is. And just. I, I couldn't th- listen to it. I think that's the fault of. Bullet and Dirty Harry because they're both scored right. by Lalo Schifrin and they both have that yes. kind of jazz score which works great okay. for those movies. Mm. And yeah, I th- yeah, right. I don't think it works for this. Uh, and, and they it, they, they, uh, they yeah. bung somebody fifty dollars and went do a Lalo yeah. Schifrin score. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, this it's came out the same awful. year. This came out the same year as Dirty Harry. Fair point. So, um, so I'm now going to touch on some things I liked. Okay. There's. Uh, there's well no I'm gonna do something else I didn't no I, ah, I mean I don't know what to do here um, uh, they establish a detail that made me laugh out loud they establish that Popeye Doyle has a boots fetish yeah because he comment there's a girl who walks past him earlier on in a pair of knee high boots and he kind of comments on her blah 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 um, and then he's driving around and he sees a girl in a pair of red boots on a bicycle. And then um, Cloudy comes around to his place in the morning, has to break in using the credit card. He's told to let himself in and uses the credit card technique on the lock to get in. And there on the floor is that pair of red boots and the girl coming out of the shower. Yeah. And that made me laugh. That was a a nice little detail. There is a bit I like where Doyle is um, staking out the fancy Frenchman. Mm. And they're in a restaurant, uh, like a hotel restaurant. Yeah. Uh, and he is on the sidewalk eating a slice of pizza, mm. and they cut from him eating the pizza to the Frenchman eating their fancy dinner. That shot then zooms through the window to Doyle pouring out his disgusting takeaway coffee, and then back to them having their lovely cafe poured yeah. for them. That was really good. That's yeah. an excellent piece of storytelling. Yeah. That one that that's comprised of two shots. Mm. That's my favourite part of the whole film. Yeah, even I can over see the why. Chase. Yeah, yeah, I can see why that you'd like that. I think that's, yeah. I mean, when, you know, like looking at The Exorcist, that that has moments like that as well, mm. where where Freakin kind of pulls off those things. But I think he sometimes gets so caught up in trying to get realism. Yeah. That, you know, some yeah, of Yeah, the stuff... style of this is very handheld and verite, mm. isn't it? Oh, and yeah. Almost documentary. Like, it, it borderlines mock doc in mm. some cases. Yeah. Um, and that was, I mean, that's, that's still. That's still quite new for Hollywood in seventy one, mm. particularly for a film of this size. Yeah, if you if you watch it back to back, I say with of D- this size, it cost one point eight million dollars. Well, yeah, but I mean, if you watch it like back to back with Dirty Harry, like mm. Dirty Harry is like super slick. It looks gorgeous, mm. and it's you know it's you know it, it, it it's a gritty movie, but it looks this is like a Hollywood Harry. Yeah, isn't exactly, it, I guess. it's got a really yeah. gr- grungy, grimy kind of feel to it. Um, mm. Yeah. Buying a plane ticket was much easier in 1971. <laughs> I think buying anything was much easier in 1971. <laughs> um, I was also like, th- there's a scene on a plane and there's sideways facing seats on a plane. Right, yeah, yeah. Don't worry. Which is something I've never seen before. Like, like the seats towards the back of the plane mm. are basically sofas facing into the aisle. Yeah, it's because I don't know what plane it was, but they, they really tapered to the yeah. to the thing so it was the only yeah. way they could get more people in i guess um we should probably touch on the car traces as the most famous part of the yeah film. yeah okay the only note i took was i'm pretty sure they almost killed a cameraman yeah because there's a shot because he's losing control of the car mm. we also didn't mention the ridiculous car stunt that opens erin brockovich oh yeah 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 uh which thankfully turned out to be an amalgam of two shots yeah and one was done with uh, the right control yeah, mm. yeah, because because uh, it looks at all the world like Julia Roberts is driving a car that gets absolutely T-boned. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, Doyle commandeers a car from a member of the public and um, 
it's not a clean chase, is it? Like he slams it into all kinds of things. And there's yeah. one section where uh, you see a stack of rubbish underneath an under an overpass, mm. and the car. I don't know how fast it hit this stack, but it smashes yeah. through it and swerves off to the right. Uh, and the cameraman is standing on the left. Uh, and I don't know if he ran away. Something falls off the camera for sure, like the map box or a, or a filter on the front yeah. falls off for sure. So I don't know if the car actually clipped it or if the cameraman knocked the tripod as he ran away or whatever. But yeah, yeah it was, as a cameraman, it was way too close for comfort. Oh, so that chase, they had no permits to film that. Doesn't surprise me. In New York. What mm-hmm. they did do was they got the ADs and uh, some mates of Eddie Egan who were off-duty cops and they tried to block off an area. Mm-hmm. They had a few stunt cars, they had a stunt driver and they had Gene Hackman doing some driving as well. Mm-hmm. Gene Hackman, not a stunt driver, the only person that would operate camera in the car with him so that they could get the shots of him driving was William Friedkin because he was the only person who could operate a camera and didn't have a wife or child. God. <laughs> yeah. We've done some stupid things for films we've made. <laughs> I know. We have never done anything as dumb as this. No. No. And that's, I mean, that's that's part of the realism of it. You know, it's supposed to be like, you know, they did it kind of for real, sort of. Um. You know, so it's, yeah, again, it's freaking taking that realism to the extreme. He was, you know, he's not known for being the most sane person. No. Um, Two days on, and I still don't know what the point of the straw hat in the back of the car is. (sighs) I knew you were going to say that. Uh, So it's set up like it's going to be a thing. Yeah. Yeah, it has a very deliberate shot of it being thrown onto the the, sh- the yeah. shelf, uh, and a very deliberate shot of it sitting there on the shelf. And it's there whenever you see them driving around in this car. Yeah, um, and right for a start, Doyle tails people like he wants to be found out. Yeah, D- yeah. I, mean, I know it's the seventies in New York, but he drives a fucking massive car. Mm. He wears a very distinctive hat. He looks like Gene Hackman, and he's. <laughs> Yeah, and he's driving around with a bloke from Jaws next to him. Um, like, I I thought he was going to get made at any point. I thought the point of the, the hat in the back was it was either a signal to other cops or yeah. it was um, the thing that was going to get them found out. Right, it, you're dead right. It is a signal to other cops. And it was it was what they used to do. Well, under- I like shit hats. No. Uh, <laughs> they no. know that. He's wearing one. No, what it used to be was undercover cops would chuck a, like a straw boater or whatever in the back yeah. window of the car. And that was a signal to uniformed police officers and other cops mm. that if they saw that car with two guys looking suspicious in it... Leave it alone. Leave it alone. The reason yeah. it doesn't get explained in the film is for exactly the same reason, <laughs> is that they right. would just give up the technique, right? So, yeah, you right. know, they, it's kind of one of Freakin's, like, here's, here's what would really happen, but yeah, doesn't bother to explain why. But we can't tell you why it would really happen. Yeah. 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 So I guess it's kind of an in-joke for cops, really. I guess so. You know? Yeah, that's about it, I think. That's fair. I do, I'm trying to work out if I'd have switched it off if we weren't doing it for the show. Right, okay. If I just put it on out of curiosity. Yeah. Like, I This didn't really grab me at all. Like, right. I found, like, As I said, I found the protagonist exceedingly unlikable. Mm. Uh, I found what they were investigating to not be that interesting. Mm. Um there are essentially two characters in this film, one and a half, really, Doyle and Cloudy. Nobody else gets any kind of development or is interesting in any way. No. No, um, you get a tiny, tiny bit with uh, the, the the French guy, Alain. Alain. Yeah. I can't remember what, they call, what his surname is. Um, uh, I didn't write it down. His surname is Chanier. Chanier, Alain that's Chanier. Alain Chanier. Yeah. Yeah, you get a tiny bit of him, but nothing. He's a Spanish bloke. He was, because they cast yeah. the wrong man. <laughs> William Freakin said to the casting director, in this movie, there's that guy, I want him. And the casting director got right. confused. Fernando Ray right. showed up and Freakin was like, ah, okay. Rang the casting guy and said, this is the wrong bloke. And they, <laughs> then they discovered that the right bloke didn't actually speak any English and therefore would be very difficult to direct. So Freakin was Amazing. just like, fine, this one will do. Amazing. <laughs> He does a damn good job with the French if he's Spanish. Yeah, well, exactly. yeah, 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 yeah. 
Oh, do you uh, have any so idea? Do you have any idea what he eats when he goes to meet Henri? He picks up like a like a mollusk or a some kind of shellfish yeah, thing. Yeah, some kind. Some kind. Is it an yeah. oyster or something like that? Because I'm um, just like. So this I mean, was uh, the French stuff was shot in Marseille. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they have a big mollusk business. Uh, I, so I've been to there's a small seaside town in France. I've been to a lot, and they have a booming seafood business there. Yeah, um, you cannot escape seafood, and they they like a good whelk. Um, yeah, right. Okay, that's, that's quite. Uh, I, can't, I don't well. particularly like that sort of thing. I don't. I mean, I, I, I hate no, seafood anyway. But I'm aware. Um, I've got no issues with seafood, but like the the. The, the, the slimy stuff that comes out of a shell just doesn't yeah. interest me. So I've never yeah. really investigated. No, I, um, I, I... No, it was something horrible in French. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I was just like, oh, man. I mean, you take a risk when you eat that sort of seafood, even if it's, like, well-prepared, just to, like, pick it and up clean. off the ground and, and yeah, just, like... you know. Maybe wow. it's to show, like, he lives on the wild side. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. This is, this is how dangerous this man is. He doesn't give a shit about his own digestive system. <laughs> <laughs> so few do yeah uh there was a credit that made me laugh uh location consultant fat thomas <laughs> he was probably a cop i would imagine yeah uh, probably yeah. um uh yeah i mean i don't have much to add that i didn't particularly like anybody in it i wasn't wowed by any performances i wasn't okay. especially wowed by the car chase um yeah, I, as I said, I'm far. I don't know why, because it's been a long time since I watched it. But I remember far preferring uh, taking a Pelham one two three. Yeah, it's got that's got that, taking a Pelham one two three has got more in common with a modern action movie than this has. Even though yeah, probably there's probably less action in it. It's got much more hmm. threat to it throughout. It's got more yeah. much more menace. It's got more humour in it. It's yeah. got. It's I got. Didn't those... care, I didn't care what happened to Popeye. I think. Is yeah. Part of the problem. Yeah. No, I can. I totally agree with that because, like you say, like yeah. he doesn't come across as a nice character no, in the, in the slightest, all. and Eddie, Eddie no. Egan doesn't particularly either when you read about him. Mm. Um, I think it was just. He's he's the stereotypical New York detective that all stereotypical yeah. New York detectives are based on. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he he is. Yeah, he he's the Halloween of uh, mm. of, of detective movies. Exactly. You know, yeah. So this is where the cliches come from. Yeah. 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 Um, this got some good titles around the world. Right. Uh, a lot of places it was called the French Connection. Some uh, places added like a little subtitle onto it. So uh, Germany, it was French Connection Focus Brooklyn. Right. Uh, in the Czech Republic, it was French Clutch Chase. <laughs> okay. Uh, Greece decided it was the Man from France. I wanted to know what the French Connection was called in France. Yeah. It was not just called The Connection, unfortunately. It was called The Sector. Um, right. Portugal went with The Incorruptibles Against Drugs. And then my three favourite ones. I can't say what order, but uh, it might actually be this order. Finland called it Hard Men. Okay. Uh, which I think is something about football hooligans. Um, Italy called it The Violent Arm of the Law. Oh, okay, yeah. And then Taiwan went crazy and called it Detective Thunderbolt. <laughs> That's Which brilliant. Might be my favourite title for a cop movie ever. <laughs> That's fantastic. I want that. I want that film now. I want yeah. that film. All right. Maybe. Well, you know, I have got some time off. I could do yeah. a writing project. Yeah, maybe okay. we should. Uh, we should brainstorm Detective, Detective Thunderbolt. Thunderbolt. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, time for pitches, I suppose. Yeah, okay. Do you want to? Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, I'm going to stick with uh, pitching you a classic that you've never seen. Because, uh, right. you know, that's I, I see so few modern movies at the moment. Uh, that's kind of where I'm at. And it, This is why some, I'm here. Yeah, I know. And, and there's there's some, there's some big gaps. Um, yeah, so I'm going to pitch you a movie that is a historical movie, but it's so specific of its time it could only have been made when it was made My head does that make spinning sense spinning already okay so it's uh, i'll say yes just to move this along <laughs> it's butch cassidy and the sundance kid uh Good which God. is yeah you've picked a dvd i bought my first dvd player in 2001 mm -hmm. if i bought this any later than 2005 i will be astonished i've never opened the dvd case <laughs> so this movie i mean it's it's a classic 
Robert Redford and Paul Newman, screenplay by William Goldman. Yep. You know, it's it's got the works and but it's it's obviously set uh you know in the time of Butch and Sunland in the West, but mm. it feels so much a sixties movie as well. Then it's sixty nine. So it's it? tail end. Yeah. Yeah. So it's got that kind of, um, uh, it's got that vibe of. Have you ever read the book Easy Riders and Raging Bulls? Yes. So it's that era of Hollywood, that transitional era of Hollywood. Yeah. Where you've got things like you've got things like French Connection, Easy Rider, mm. Dirty Harry, and going mm. all the way through to like Jaws, and then the transition mm. into blockbusters. Right. This kind yeah. of weird wilderness where movies were kind of anything goes really. Yeah. So sort of late Hollywood late, was embracing like the mm. independent vibe yeah yeah and this kind of feels like that as well so it, it it's intriguing there's there's um it, it the story is basically the last days well not the last days but the kind of like the the run well, out i mean i know the ending it's very famously the last days of butch and sundance yes yeah um so it's just about you know kind of their, their relationship and 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 how they're going to you know evade the law and indefinitely yeah. basically how, how are they going to get away with all of this stuff that they've done um hmm. Yeah, it's it's an it's an interesting movie from that point of view. It, I think it's an interesting movie from its historical uh, whether it, how true it is. I guess I don't really know, but mm. it, it, you know, from telling a historical story, but then also it being this made in this point of time in the late sixties. Mm. Um, there's some stuff that I think you're going to find quite jarring. There's some mm. stuff that's going to make you go, "What the fuck?" Um, there's like. <laughs> Wait till you find out what you're getting. <laughs> um, and so yeah, it's. It, I, I think it would just be interesting to see. And obviously, you've got you've got you've got Paul Newman and Robert Redford, who are, t- are two of the most charismatic leading Hollywood men of that era. You know. Yeah, that so, have ever been really. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So it's you know, like I say, it's bona fide classic. So I'd be interested yeah. to see it's whether weird. you it's like one of those it or films not. I actually know quite a lot about, but have never seen because yeah. I'm a I'm a um, nearly called him Friedkin. Uh, I'm a William Goldman fan. Yeah, um, and I've like, I've got his books. I've read the books, mm. and like he loves this film. This is mm. possibly his favorite film he's ever made. Yeah, um, he loves George Roy Hill, the director. Yeah, one of the books in particular, like. I would say if any less than 40% of the book is about Butch and Sundance, I would be amazed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Unfortunately, I, uh, we've only got a week, so I don't know if I'm going to have enough time to reread no, all of that I'm stuff. I'm certainly not. Um, but, but yeah, um, it, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't... It's one of those movies that I wouldn't go out on my way to say that it's like one of my favourites or it's like something mm. that I particularly like really love, but I just think it's mm. re- a really interesting and I know it's something that you've had for donkey's years mm. that you want to see. Yeah. So I thought it'd be a good one to to jump into all right well how do i segue from that to what i have uh, it's also a period piece okay um it's it's more wild east than wild west <laughs> okay um uh it's i would say it's a statement of fact that we are both fans of jackie chan yes i would also say it's a fair shout we would also each call ourselves fans of john cusack yeah yeah I've seen some good stuff. I've seen some stuff. Yeah. How do you feel about Adrian Brody? Um, I don't think I've seen the I've seen the pianist, and he's excellent in that. Okay. Not sure I've seen him in anything else. Okay. How would you feel if they were all in the same film? I can't really imagine it. <laughs> okay. Well, you're getting them all in the same film. It's called Dragon Blade, <laughs> right? And I saw it on a plane to China about five years ago. Okay. And um. One of my overriding thoughts when I finished was, that's mad. I need to get Tom to watch that as soon as possible. And just never did. I actually had it on the slate to pitch you during season one. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, And just couldn't get hold of it for whatever reason. Mm. It is on Amazon Prime Video. Or rather, the international cut is on Amazon Prime Video, which is 24 minutes shorter than the one I saw. (laughs) Right. Okay. Uh, and has a bunch of stuff reordered. Uh, and according to an extensive article I found on a German website last night, there are 119 differences between that and the Chinese version I saw. Wow. Including then, completely eliminating five minutes of modern day footage that bookends it. Okay, interesting. I know they definitely, yes. like, I mean, they're, they're very different markets. So I understand, oh, yeah. like, recutting a movie, but that seems yeah. extreme. Yeah. 
Um, I actually think, so having seen both versions, I actually think this is the better version. Okay. But make no mistake, I'm not pitching this because I think it's a good film. Uh, right, okay. But I also don't dislike it, and there's something slightly there's something slightly charming about its crapness and its earnest nature. Okay. <laughs> um, so the plot is, uh, it's 50 BC, we're in the middle of the Chinese desert, and Jackie Chan is a man called, uh, I'm going to butcher the name, but I shouldn't because I only watched it again last night, Huan who is the commander of the Silk Road Protection Squad, essentially the cops of the Silk Road. Okay. Uh, he and his team are accused of smuggling gold and, as punishment, are sent to rebuild the massive stone Wild Geese Gate. Up rocks a Roman legion. <laughs> okay. And a blind kid. Right. Uh, led by Lucius, who's played by John Cusack. They are on the run from the evil Tiberius, played by Adrian Brody, who has dual intentions, kill the kid and take over the Silk Road. Okay. Do you know what? Like, Ro Roman Empire and China are two things that don't go together in my head, but I guess so, it's... So, this is, this is based on... I can't... I don't know if I can say fact. There is some evidence that a Roman legion of some kind made it to China. That's crazy. But it's not in 50 BC or, for some reason, 48 BC, as it is in the uh, Chinese version. I don't know why, where these two extra years have come from. It was something Different like 167 calendars. AD or something like right, that. Okay. that. Anyway, um, um, I'll look up that bit for next week. In its favour, it's a proper thousands of extras and hundreds of stuntmen epic. Okay. Um, and I think Jackie Chan is actively good at the acting part of his role. Okay. Uh, and as he was on action director duties, there's a little bit of the old magic in some of the fight scenes as well. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know what else to say. Uh, I don't. In I say this every week. I don't know what else to say in terms of pitch. Um, it's fucking mad. <laughs> <laughs> it's Kung Fu and Romans. All right. There's something like nine different languages spoken in this film. Oh, Jesus. Jackie Chan gets lines in five of them. Wow. Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah and bear in mind that this is the international version, not the Chinese cut, where usually all of this would be dubbed out by terrible Canadian actors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There is someone who is very definitely dubbed in this, and that's the blind kid. Right. Who had a very thick French accent. Right. And there's one part, <laughs> I should say this for next week, but I'm going to do it now. Um, there's one part where they forget to dub him, and he's right. using his natural voice, and his accent is so thick they give him subtitles. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah so it's yeah it's Romans and Kung Fu and you get to see Jackie Chan and John Cusack have a sword fight nice awesome uh, so look forward to it uh, that's about it yeah excellent Amazon Prime Video cool uh, anything else you want to hit on or shall I uh, read off my little card stuck under my lens no go go for it I think I think Alrighty. we're pretty good the little card stuck under the lens if you've seen any of the films we talked about in season two particularly if you have seen uh dragon blade or uh whatever it was he just pitched me something old with cops in probably butch casty oh so probably no cops cowboys <laughs> instead um you can do so on twitter at hys podcast that is also our instagram handle we're on facebook facebook.com slash have you seen podcast the website is have you seen.net the email is hys podcast at gmail.com and if you want to follow my vlog uh about my uh recovery from mostly uh bell's palsy uh that's bit.ly slash kieran bells um you'll see i'm almost back to my uh, 100% natural handsomeness. Just a little bit left to go. That's looking really good, actually. Yeah, I've had, so I put up the fifth video in the series uh, last week after we did this, yeah. after we did the podcast, mm. uh, and there has been dramatic improvement since then. Yeah, even in that, I'm not like, going to go into it here because then I've got no reason to make another video. No, no, but, but I mean, uh, just in that in that episode we're talking about, you see, you put the things side by side, and you can yeah. see the huge improvements across those. And yeah. it's, again, yeah. it's another massive leap, so it's good to yeah, see. There, again, yes, there has been a leap since the most mm. recent footage in that video. Yeah. Um, uh, so there we go, uh, Tom. I believe you have something you like to plug every week. My feature length documentary is on Prime Video. Uh, you can rent it uh, for a very reasonable price of uh, £3.50 and uh, it's about what it's like for men to go through fertility treatment um, yeah so it's uh, it's there ready to rent go, go watch it uh, you can search for it on Prime Video uh, or you can go to bit.ly slash the easy bit cool. that'll be on the screen somewhere yeah 
Yeah, I always forget for the viewing. URL. I love how you sweated over that damn thing for five years and every week you forget to plug it. I know. I, it's crazy. <laughs> I know. It, you know, yeah. I'm just exhausted. That's, that's, that's just the end of it, really. Yeah, fair enough. You fair know? enough. And it is the last thing we do, isn't it, every week? Yeah, yeah. yeah. All righty. Uh, I think we can wrap this up then. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, come back next week for uh, Roman's Kung Fu and Cowboys. See awesome. you later. Bye. Bye.